Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. I want to just say, first of all, uh, on this day that somebody designated as Pastor Appreciation Sunday, thanks to you for your encouragement to us today. Um, I'm, I'm a little concerned that this flower is clashing with my tie here today, but um, thanks for the encouragement you give in, in various other ways, uh, not just today, but uh, to, to our family uh, in the years of ministry. We've had the privilege of serving here. It's truly a joy to serve here among you, and it's also a heart burden for a growing number of eternal souls. It's entirely possible that somebody listening today might appreciate me less after I get done with my message today. I get the privilege of sharing on following Jesus as husbands and wives, and I think Ryan's probably glad I didn't pass this text off to him. But I hope and pray that what you hear today on this subject is based solidly on what we hear in God's word. And I see that we have uh, some husbands and wives here today. And uh, today's message is especially for you folks, though uh, I, I'm guessing that the rest of you, uh, many of you have either been a husband or wife today or, or uh, maybe are even hoping to be one someday. Um, and so to te- today's text has something to say to most of us here in one way or another. Um, we've been walking through the book of First Peter in the Bible, and our focus on and Sunday morning messages each week has been going through that, and so this is a section next year. And it's, it's interesting as we think of this one to think of the author, uh, the Apostle Peter, as, as a married man. And consider that also as we look at our text today. Uh, we do know that Peter was married because um, one of the gospel tells us that Jesus at one point healed his mother-in-law. And also uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 refers to Peter as Cephas uh, and talks of him as taking along with him uh, a believing wife. It must have been an interesting challenge to be married to Peter, uh, thinking of that um, impulsive personality that we see sometimes come out in the scriptures about him, but also thinking of him then as one who traveled uh, about from place to place Um, as one of Jesus' 12 disciples, and and then later as a leader in the New Testament church. And so anyway, as we read these verses here in 1 Peter, recognize that he speaks from marital experience as as well as from being inspired by the Holy Spirit in what he writes today. I invite you to stand with me in reverence to God's word as we read then in in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. 
Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of marriage, and uh, we who experience that in our lives, Lord, know also the challenges with it. And so I pray, Lord, as we look into your word today and, and uh, we hear from Peter and his experience, but also, Lord, and what the Holy Spirit inspired him to, to write, that, that you would give us understanding and to applying these things in, into our lives. Um, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> First part of our text today, there's this word to wives. And following Jesus as a wife involves being submissive. Now, now, before anybody jumps to conclusions about me or about Peter here for saying this, I need to clarify some things that this text does not say. This is not a word to all women. So if you're not a wife or never plan to be a wife, or if you're not a man who never plans to have a wife, then you may not need to listen to some of this message. This is also not a word to all women to be submissive to all men, just to their husbands. And this is something that goes then with being a wife. It's part of God's calling for you in your relationship with your husband. Also, this is not a matter of abilities, talents, or IQ. There may be plenty of areas in which the wife has far more abilities, talents, or smarts. And if that's the case, then it's best for the husband to be a man enough to admit that and compliment his wife in those areas and depend on her for those things. This is also not something that a husband can try to force on his wife. Be submissive, woman. You, you can try that one, see how that works for you. This is a word to wives themselves. And by the way, the word to husbands is coming later when we get to verse 7. And so what is Peter saying here that being submissive is? Well, this is a deliberate act of her will. It's something that God is asking the wife to do, willingly putting herself under her husband's authority. And the verb here is a present middle participle. You might say most clearly translated, be submitting yourself to. So how are wives to be submitting to their husbands? Verse 1. It says, likewise. New American Standard says, in the same way. And, and so when we see that, we need to look back in the text and see what's he referring back to, what we covered last week. Wives are to submit to husbands in the same way as, where we see their examples, as citizens to government um, for, for the purpose of order in the land. Citizens are, are to put themselves in, in subjection to government authorities and to the laws of the land. Think about that. Um, traffic laws, for instance, work only because of voluntary submission to them. It would really be impossible to have police park at every stop sign to make sure you stop there. You're asked to just willingly subject yourselves to the stop signs. You can drive as fast as you want uh, when there's no highway patrol in sight, but God asks us to put ourselves in subjection to the laws of the land and read the speed limit signs and obey them so that there would be order in the land and safety on the road. And men, if you don't willingly 
submit yourselves to the laws of the land or to God's laws in other areas, then can you really expect your wife to gladly submit to your authority at home? Who do you know who feels comfortable submitting to authority of someone who lives like they're under nobody's authority but their own? So we who call ourselves Christians are, are ones who have, have told Jesus that, that we believe in him as our savior from sin and, and also that we then trust him as the Lord in our lives. And, and that means that then we all willingly put ourselves under his authority in all things. As we look at this also then recognize Wives are to submit their husbands in the same way as uh, we mentioned citizens to government. We also saw in the text right before us as servants to masters. And what's the reason for that? For, it's for the purpose of order in the workplace. And today we, we might say then, um, like workers are to submit themselves under the authority of their boss. In, in the workplace, I believe that means then not sloughing off uh, every time the boss is away, but instead putting yourself under his or her authority to fulfill his or her requests, even when he or she isn't there, or even when what a person requests seems unreasonable to us. You know, if everybody tried to be the boss at the workplace, then uh, we'd have kind of a mess there, wouldn't we? I, I think this time of year, uh, what I see as I drive past fields here, and, and uh, it's harvest time here in the Red River Valley, and particularly the uh, beet harvest is an amazing production to me. Um, goes on day and night, and, and there's amazing teamwork to accomplish it. And, and that wouldn't happen if there wasn't someone in charge making the plans and bringing order to the operation. <clears throat> well, the statement in verse 1 here says, Likewise, or in the same way, wives be submissive to your husbands. It, it doesn't say you need to submit to anybody else's husband. It says to your own. Now, some would say, well, yeah, but isn't this just a cultural thing? Um, and our culture today is very different from the biblical days. Well, I want to ask you, based on what we just covered here, is there no longer any need for order um, in society and having some kind of government? Is there no longer any need for any bosses in the workplace? And there, is there no longer any need for any clear leadership in the home? Also, if, we, if, if, uh, if it was just Peter saying this, that may be one thing, but we see this elsewhere in Scripture as well. Paul in very, says very similar things in, in Ephesians 5 and, and in Colossians 3 and in what we covered last year in 1 Timothy. And there it ties it in with creation and God's created order. Um, Lenski sums this up by saying, All Scripture, in particular also the New Testament, asks Christian wives to be subject to their husbands. Then he goes on to say this, and what is asked of the husbands should certainly make any wife's subjection a delight instead of an infliction. So again, men, remember your words coming as we get to verse 7 here. But one other thing we need to see here is that why are wives called to submit to their husbands? We mentioned for the purpose of order then and in the home. But also we see that it's, as we go on here, so that if any husbands are unbelievers, they might be one to faith in Jesus Christ. And this is the main thrust of what Peter's been saying as we looked at the previous part last week. Um, and now we see this here. that the, the goal then is that the believing wife living in subjection to her husband, who is an unbeliever, might win her husband to faith. And do so not so much with many words, but with her respectful behavior toward him, even when he seems unreasonable. 
Remember what we talked about last Sunday. The, the concern for eternal souls shapes our relationships, including here now in the home. And, and I think of the man who came forward at a crusade and, and received Christ into his heart and life and who said this, my wife has loved me into the kingdom. Following Jesus as a wife of an unbeliever involves submitting to her husband's authority we need to say, though, as long as it doesn't go against God's commands. And in doing so then, with the goal of winning that husband to faith in Christ. And now, certainly, we would want to recognize this, that it would be much better to have been extremely careful when one marries and to marry a believer so that you're not unequally yoked. But if that hasn't taken place, then Peter offers these words of hope for winning that unbelieving spouse to faith. So following Jesus as a wife also has to do with something else he brings up here, with your adornment. And usually, you know, we think of adornment as what's outside the body. Dress and hairstyles and makeup and jewelry and so on. They're all things that are, that are meant to uh, either accent or, or cover up uh, a woman's looks, depending on how you see that. Um, but, but Peter mentions here in verse 3, no matter what you do with the outside, let your adornment be not merely external. And, and New American Standard words it that way. Let it not be merely external, but let it be the hidden person of the heart. You know, there are some women who uh, are great looking on the outside that we men should be very glad we didn't get married to because they're women that totally neglected development of the inner heart character. I'm thankful for a wife of both inner and outer beauty. But Peter reminds us here that it's the inner adornment that is the more important. Uh, adornment is much more than what you put on the outside of the body. It has to do with the development of the inner life. And, and women, God sees right past the makeup and right into the heart with you, just like he does uh, with the less good-looking of the genders. Verse 4 here, God finds precious the development of a gentle and quiet spirit. That, that's something that isn't going to fade with age. It won't be affected by wrinkles, but it grows sweeter with time as you grow in your personal relationship with God. And you know, nothing else will develop your inner spirit like time alone with God in his word and in prayer. You know, we, we, uh, we, can, um, we can change how we look on the outside. Uh, we can change our wardrobe and so on. Um, but we can't really change our inside. It's God that has to do that as we spend time with him. And it seems to me that the best-looking women in the world are, are those who are Christians, ones who have allowed God to shape them on the inside and out, and they have this inner glow that then just radiates from them as something beyond compare. It's interesting that Peter brings up here an Old Testament example of a godly woman. He mentions Sarah. The wife of Abraham. And uh, Sarah was outwardly so beautiful that, that twice in the Old Testament we see that there were foreign kings and leaders that, were, that, that found her very attractive. But, but here God's word declares that her most attractive quality was her inner beauty and, and her quiet, submissive spirit to her husband, whom she called Lord. Um, that certainly seems like more than just a pet name like honey. Um, calling her husband Lord was, was a term of respect and submission and an attitude that God 
holds high. And here Peter tells women then, you are her children if you follow her example of respectful behavior, doing what is right and not fearing the consequences. Women, there might be people who would even disdain you or insult you if you live by your Christian convictions and you follow scripture and you allow your relationship with Jesus then to shape your life, including then even this of submitting to your own husband. And you might find it a real challenge at times to do so, especially since some of us husbands don't always make it so easy for you in that. But I believe that God will bless you as you seek to follow his word even in this area. Now let's go on to verse 7, and there's a word to husbands. And following Jesus as a husband, here then Peter says, involves living with our wives in an understanding way. Now, now men, this is not just a suggestion for us any more than the words to our wives in the earlier verses were. There's only this one verse in this text um, that addresses us husbands, but it is loaded with some wisdom for marriage. And so listen closely to what it says here. You could sum it up by saying this, live with your wife in an understanding way and treat her with honor. And failure to do so can have some serious consequences for, for your whole family. In, in my 33 years of pastoral ministry, I, I, I've seen a few marriages of people connected to our churches fall apart in front of me and end in divorce. And, and some of them did so largely because of husband's lack of trying to understand his wife or her concerns. I read a book sometime in the earlier part of my marriage uh, written by a guy named Gary Smalley. One of the best books for husbands I've seen, uh, it was titled simply, If He Only Knew. And uh, it, he spelled out some significant differences in, in men and women. And, and he mentioned in the book also then some consequences um, of a bad marriage that then uh, are shaped by how a man was treating his wife. And I just list some of them here that he mentions. He, he says a woman who is not properly loved by her husband may develop some serious physical ailments. It'll affect her emotional and physical response to him. And it'll drastically affect her children's emotional development. And he says a, a dis disrespectful wife and rebellious children are more likely to be found in the home of a man that doesn't know how to lovingly support his family. And when a man settles for a poor marriage, then he's forfeiting his reputation before all of the world, and he shows himself to be self-centered and unreliable. And if he has sons, they'll likely learn many wrong ways of how to treat their future wife by the modeling they got from their father. Smalley thinks that Peter's words here are pretty important to take to heart. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker vessel. Now, now, what does he mean there, weaker vessel? I remember when I was in high school, um, my sophomore biology teacher uh, telling my class that males were actually the weaker gender. And as you might imagine, that had inflamed 12 guys in the class to hear such words. Um, and we ended up having quite a discussion as a result but Mr. Ralston's point was related to the fact that the male gender in many species is often more prone to sickness and on the average dies younger than the female. Those are the facts. The, the whole discussion, though, brings up um, something here. And here it says, Husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel since she is a woman. And that, and that last phrase is not some kind of a derogatory mark on Peter's part, uh, nor should it be something that we would say in that way, husbands. 
It is instead a recognition that there are clearly differences in the way that God made us as male and female. And I have to wonder if Peter doesn't say here to live with your wives in an understanding way rather than to say live fully understanding our wives because it's impossible we're ever going to be able to do that. Though I, I do tell my wife, you know, I'm going to die trying to understand you. But we, sometimes it seems like are like two different species, aren't we? Somali talks about how different we are physically, for instance. Um, uh, besides the obvious differences in our looks and, and in some body parts, uh, he, he says this, uh, women's blood contains more water and 20% fewer red blood cells. And, and red blood cells are what supply oxygen to the body cells, and that explains why a woman may tend to tire more easily and be more prone to faint. It, it accounts for why women come to a point in day where sometimes they're physically and emotionally spent. And if a husband knows this, this is his opportunity to step in and to help in some ways that will be greatly appreciated. He mentions another bit of trivia regarding the differences in men and women. He says a man possesses an average of 50% more brute strength than women because 40% of a man's body weight is muscle and 23% of a woman's. But he says this, but that is on average. It doesn't take into account some extremely out-of-shape men or extremely in-shape women that might be here today. But in addition, there are some major differences in our sexual makeup, in, in the way we relate socially, and in our emotional makeup. And, and then there's something that we sometimes call a woman's intuition, which we men will never understand, but shouldn't totally dismiss either. Well, husbands, we are to live with our wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and we are created very differently and then he also says this, so we, we are to be granting her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. And, and that word honor can also be translated treasure. And that's how we are to see our wives, as a treasure from God, and thus of the very high value. And Peter says here, as fellow heirs of the grace of life. And in this world, you know, there, there's a need for some to then willingly put themselves under the authority of others for the sake of order. But in heaven, I don't believe it will be that way. Uh, rather, we will all humbly bow before the Lord who loved us so much that he died for us. Even in heaven, there will be perfect harmony in relationships. On this earth, we need some instructions and exhortations on how to treat each other, lest we forget and live just by our selfish nature. There's one more thing here that is mentioned at the end of the text. Why are we husbands exhorted here to treat our wives with honor as fellow heirs? He says this, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I've found that there have been some times in my marriage where I've disagreed with my wife. There's been a few. And uh, there have been those times then where um, I've had that disagreement and then I've come to the office to prepare a sermon and it hasn't worked for me. And, and I've had to call her and apologize for some harsh words or some not so understanding ways before I can even finish my sermon. You, you see, it, it doesn't work to, to listen to the voice of God to speak to me about how others should live unless I'm willing to also apply it to how I live and, and allow his word to point out sin in my own life. Lenski says this, uh, 
A husband who treats his wife in a wrong way will find it hard, yes, impossible to pray. And thus he'll have no prayer life at all. And he will not lead in family devotions. And his worship in the congregation, too, will be affected. Husbands and wives, we, we need God to be at work in our hearts and our lives and, and, and to forgive us and for our failures to follow um, Peter's words here that are wholly inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, we need to ask his forgiveness for settling for less than what God intends in our marriages at times. And, and then as a result, having that affect other relationships in our home and, and affect our Christian witness. We might also need to ask for forgiveness of our spouse sometimes for a lack of a submissive spirit or for lack of living in that understanding way and that lack of honoring. And you know, God is able to bring those changes when we humble ourselves, first of all, before him. And we ask his help to follow Jesus as husbands and wives. Let's pray. Lord God, we just give you thanks for the gift of marriage, for these spouses you have given us, Lord, help us that we would treat them with honor and respect at all times, even when we disagree with them. And, and Lord, we, we pray that you would be at work in, in marriages represented here today. Lord, you know the challenges each of us face and the complications of things that add up over the years. Uh, but Lord, we pray that, that you would help us to follow your word in, in a way that would treat each other with respect and, and would be a witness to our, our families, our children, and to those around us. Uh, Lord, we pray that if there are those that are uh, dealing with marriages that are on the rocks, that, that you would help to turn the corner in that, Lord, as uh, we each seek to do our part to live according to the way you call us to. And Lord, we pray that you'd use us as a church to, to uh, be a, a beacon of hope for those that are going through challenges in, in their marital relationships as well. Um, Lord, we thank you there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ and help us to live each day in repentance and faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.